Good morning, everybody. Well, I was over in the Shoto Maisie area yesterday getting a load of haylage. While they was loading it, I decided to ask Miss Siri if she would be kind enough to dial 918-285-1954, and she was. He answered. We chatted just a little bit. If you didn't know whose number it was, it's Brother Marty Brock's. I said, what are you preaching tomorrow? He said, well... I'm in Joshua where Achan sinned, and I'm going to preach on the sin unto death. Now, some people think, I don't believe it's a controversial issue, but I believe there's a sin unto death for the believer. And I simply said when he told me what he is preaching, I'm glad I'm you, and, or I'm glad I'm me and not you. Because when it comes to the sin unto death, sometimes you can go pretty deep. And I've learned out sometimes when you go pretty deep, if you stay too long, you'll drown. That's what I told Brother Marty. Don't go too deep. Don't stay too long lest you drown. He said, what are you preaching? And then he chuckled. He said, oh yeah, it's not, it ain't five in Sunday morning yet. And I had no idea. But here's why I told you about that conversation, because of what he said next. He said, I recently preached out of John 14, and I said, so did I. I said, what would you preach out of there? He said, I preached a message. Listen to this. I preached a message titled, Why It's Going to Be All Right. He said, what would you preach out there? I said, how to handle a troubled heart. I said, last week I preached a sermon entitled, When Life Bends You Over. Isn't it something, whether it's exciting Southeast Baptist Church or whether it's Olive Baptist Church, it seems like God has a message for designated times. Seems like in last Sunday, whether it was there or here, God's wanting to tell us it's all going to be all right. You got a troubled heart? Life got you bent over? Seems like that's just where He was at last week. But what's happening in Olive right now? Somebody's getting their tail kicked from the Scriptures, letting them know there's a sin unto death. You know what's happening today here? He's changed gears. I don't know if today's message will be encouraging to you. I don't know if it will be one of them that kicks you in the tail. I don't know if it will be an amen. I don't know if it will be an oh me. But I know He's changed gears. And how that happens is, most of you know, in the last three weeks, my travels has taken me to Cameron, Texas, to evaluate bulls that will sell in Texas in April. From there, January 10th in Cameron, Texas, I come by home one day. It was a Wednesday. I preached, enjoyed the fellowship, and left early the next Thursday, January 12th, and would be at Springfield, Missouri, to evaluate a set of bulls that will sell there in April. We got the week off, but I headed to Colorado Monday evening and made my way out there to evaluate bulls that will sell out there in the spring. So in the last three weeks, as one of the evaluators, one of three, I've stood in the pens and I have individually looked at almost 600 head of bulls. And because of that evaluation, they will know how to catalog them. But about three years ago, I was asked to be one of those evaluators. Meaning of all the people that show up, only three or four is getting in that pen. No matter really what you think, if you're outside that pen, it really don't matter what you think, it's up to them three. And I've often wondered why he chose me to be an evaluator, because I want you to listen to me. I've been to lots of bull work days. 
I stood outside the fence and was one day asked to step inside the pen. And every time I leave there, I wonder why did He choose me? Because I've yet to be at one of those evaluation days and leave there that I didn't have way more questions than I had answers. I mean, come on, the evaluator's supposed to be answering the questions. But every time I leave there, I have way more questions, Brother Mark, than I have answers. But let me tell you something, as I begin to think about that, it's no different. It wasn't Kit Pharaoh that asked me to be a preacher, it was God. I study, I take it serious, just like I do the bull evaluation. But I want you to look up here and listen. Every time I preach one, every time I study one, you may not like this, but this old boy that's preaching to you, most of them leave me with more questions than answers. Sometimes that don't make sense. And sometimes I wonder, why does God call the people that have more questions than they have answers? And I guess when I get to heaven, I'll find that out. But every time I leave a bulwark day, every time I leave a preaching engagement, let me tell you, I begin to consider every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, I leave and guess what I do? I begin to consider and I begin to ponder. Every bulwark day I leave, Texas, Missouri, Colorado, I begin to consider and ponder. I thought that's what I was doing and I confirmed it with Siri. I asked Siri when I left Wednesday afternoon because I was considering, I was pondering. Miss Terry, I had more questions than I had answers. And as I began to consider and ponder, or at least I thought I was, I said, Siri, what's the definition of consider? She said, to think carefully about something and be drawn toward it. Let me repeat that. Think carefully about something and being drawn toward it. Kind of explained why when I leave bull work days, I begin to consider everything that's said and I get drawn toward different things this time than last time. And I begin to consider. But then I said, Siri... What does ponder mean? I thought she misunderstood me like my wife does sometimes. Because you know what the first four words was? Do you remember the first four words of consider? Think carefully about something. When I asked her what pondering meant, the first four words was to think carefully about something. But then it changed. Before making a decision... Or reaching a conclusion. Think about that. You're considering it because you're drawn toward it. Right? Now you're thinking carefully about it before you make your decision or come to your conclusion. And so it confirmed, Miss Mary, that I'm a considerer. I'm a ponderer. And it happens when I'm at bulwark days and it happens when I preach. Because I want you to look up here, and you may not agree with this, but it's true. See, I have discovered, now listen to this. This is what Rob Pierce has discovered. For every problem and for every decision I make, there is an answer. I want you to listen about this answer. It's clear. It's simple but wrong. Get a hold of that. You face a problem, 
you make a decision and sometimes don't the answers come so clear and so simple and you think there ain't a way in the world they can be wrong. But as you consider and as you ponder that clear answer, come on now, that clear answer, that simple answer, you, as you consider and ponder, figured out. It seems so clear. It seems so simple. But you find out it's wrong. So could I encourage you guys, always consider and always ponder. Because sometimes that clear and that simple answer I've discovered is wrong. Today I'm going to preach a message, and that's the title in case you hadn't figured it out. Consider and ponder. Consider and ponder, number one, your now. And when I'm talking about consider and ponder your now, I'm talking about salvation. Don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. So when I tell you to consider now, I'm thinking about what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth when he says, we then, the missionary team, as a praise team and a preacher man, as we then, as workers together with Him, capital, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for He, capital, says. Here's what God says. In an acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, here it is, now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, check out and see if you have a fundamental salvation because people get beat for the lack of fundamentals. Extraordinary people don't do extraordinary things. Extraordinary people do fundamental things and they do them well. What is a fundamental salvation? That is conviction from the Scriptures. We open the Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. It's like a mirror. It shows us who we are, sinners. It shows us where we're headed to a place called hell. We become convicted when we realize really who we are, what we are, and where we're headed. And after we get convicted of who and what and where we are headed, guess what happens? Then the Holy Spirit moves in and happens to do what John 6.44 says it does. It's Jesus talking and He says, No one, that means not a one of you, not a one of us can come to me unless what? The Father who sent me draws them. We, Paul said, me, Rob says, and the worship team, we are pleading today. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Listen, He hears you. He helps you. And now, today is the day. If you're not saved, today's the day to get it taken care of. See, now when I left Colorado, I was considering and pondering the now. Now, listen closely to what I'm fixing to say. When we have bull work days, let me tell you what you can find on my weather app. You'll find Telequal right below it. You'll find Cameron, Texas. Right below it, you'll find Springfield, Missouri. Right below it, you'll find Cheyenne Wells, Colorado. If somebody was to find my weather app and scroll through there, they'd say, now, ain't that just kind of a random bunch of towns? See, I got bulls that develop in Cameron. I'm always wondering how much rain, how much sunshine they're getting. I got bulls that are developing in Colorado. I wonder how much snow they're having to get through to get a bite of grass. But more than that, I'm wondering when I'm having to go out there for a bull evaluation, I'm wondering what kind of clothes to pack. Now, this year was quite a change. 
Texas, it was 80 degrees. Old Big Clay, I love Big Clay. He ultrasounds the bulls. He, he measures the ribeye. He measures the tenderness. He measures the back fat. He's up at the chutes, and he's a big old boy. And at Texas, he had on shorts, all 400 pounds of him. Man, it was hard to get focused on the bull evaluation without having to evaluate them legs. But it's 80 degrees. I walked by him, headed for lunch, and he said, Man, it's a hot one, ain't it, Rob? I said, you going to put pants? No, I ain't putting pants on. I said, you going to take them to Missouri? He said, we might one day. He evidently was just like me. See, the weather said Thursday was going to be good at Missouri. But it told us the storm was coming in Friday. But little did we know the storm beat the weatherman. It was snowing when I was on my way to Missouri. And I thought, we're not going to have one. Never got above 24 degrees. Man, we froze to death. Well, not really. I'm still alive. Dadgummit. <laughs> Caught me in a lie right behind the pulpit. We nearly froze to death. But look here. We had a barn up there, and even in the snow, everything was good. But look here. We took a week between Texas and Missouri and Colorado. So last Saturday, I get a call from... Headquarters, Kit Pharaoh says, you know what it's done out here, Rob? And I said, I seen it this morning. He said, 8 to 12 inches is on the ground. I said, yes, sir. He said, have you looked at the weather? And I said, I have. Got it right on my phone. And I didn't know this, but you can look at it while you're talking. I just pulled her up while I was talking to him. This, If you need some lessons with the phone, I can show you stuff they do that you never dreamed they could do. So I punch it in there and I said, it looks to me like Tuesday when we start, it's going to be in the single digits. Looks to me like this picture of a snowflake means it's going to be snowy. You with me? That's C plus S, snow, cold plus snow. And I said, and then it looks like, have you guys ever looked at your weather app? It's got a picture of wind because you can't see wind, so they have a little emblem. And I said, it looks like it's going to be real windy. Now, I didn't say this, but I'm also an algebra teacher. C plus S plus W equals M. You guys want an algebra lesson? Cold plus snow plus W equals miserable. That's your algebra lesson for today. But, man, I loved what he said next. Now, I've talked to Tyson, that's his son, and he's probably going to move the bull work days to Thursday and Friday. Well, I'm on the weather app. All you got to do... You know what Thursday's? Overnight low was in the upper 20s. You say, that ain't good. It's better than the single digits. And the emblem wasn't a snowflake, wasn't the wind emblem. It was this bright yellow circle, sun. So I'm looking at warmer. In the daytime, upper 30s. Warmer plus warmer, WW, plus S, sun, equals B, better. So... Sunday morning, I come here and I said to the staff, now, they're probably going to move bull work day because of the weather. I just sure they would. I mean, it made all the sense in the world looking at the weather channel, app, whatever, right? But he never calls me. And before I come in on Sunday night, because I need to let Jaden, I need to let people know, am I gone tomorrow? Am I not gone tomorrow? Because he asked me, is that going to mess you up? I said, I can leave any time. I mean, I'm just, a, I don't have nothing going on. Just let me know. Look here. I call him right I said, Tyson, what about the bull work days? He says, what about them? As if he'd never talked to Dad. As if he'd never looked at the weather app. He said, what about them? I said, they still on for Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, yeah. Well, when he act like he never knew about them, I said, I'll see you then. He said, okie dokie. So I go out there. The first day we started, when I pulled in, it was seven degrees. And that little wind emblem was right. And the next day, that snow emblem 
was right. And I mean, I'm bundled up. Maybe you saw it on Facebook. You, you, you saw me bundled up. I took a picture. I started to tell you it was here because we were supposed to get all this snow, and we didn't. I started to say, well, it's snowing at Moody. I sent that, Facebooked it, and Trey, my eldest boy, he snapshotted that one picture, and he sent the text to Fam Bam, and he put this under that picture, not aging well. And bless my wife's heart, she's always tried to keep peace in the family. Not peace in the valley, but peace in the family. And she put this big long explanation of it's cold and the wind's blowing and, and the sun's shining off that snow and his face is just red and I just wanted to put, and in the bottom line, he's not aging well. <laughs> but look at me and listen to me, please. Don't miss the point here. Wednesday afternoon I left there. And I was driving on snow-packed roads that was beginning to melt. And what do I do when I leave bull cells? I consider and I ponder. To the point, I went ahead and called Tyson, messaged Tyson, and I said, a lot of people questioned you and they'd probably never tell you they did, but I'm just really transparent. I question you major, big time, why we didn't move bull work days to Thursday and Friday. Every time I come, I learn something, and you made a wise choice. He texts back, and he said, I really don't know what you mean by that. I spent two full days moving snow with a tractor. I said, I mean by that, if we waited till Thursday and Friday, it looked better. It was justifiable. But do you guys know what 12 inches of snow when it's 40 degrees will do to the pins? Look up here. One of the things we evaluate is their feet. If they'd have walked in Thursday or Friday, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have seen feet. I want you to look up here and I want you to listen. If you looked at the weather app and you thought about how miserable it was, you would have tried to justify moving bull work days to Thursday, Friday. In reality, it had been much worse. You say, well, you're getting that, preacher. I'm going to extend an invitation for a lost soul to get saved here in just a minute. And you're going to justify why you should wait. You're going to justify putting it off. Come on. And in your mind, it's going to be justifiable just exactly like I was justifying them bull work days needed to be moved till Thursday or Friday. But when I left there, you know what I realized? Now was the time. Glad we done it today. And what you better realize today, if you're lost and you're undone, consider and ponder. If you're drawn... Make the right decision. Say an everlasting I do to Jesus Christ. Amen. Consider and ponder your now. But then as I continued to drive, I was considering. I was pondering. I mean, think about it. Now we're done. I've saw them all. Now I've got a decision if I need a bull in April. I've got to ponder all these things I look at and I've got to choose which direction I'm going with my cattle business. And as I begin to ponder that, I've told you I've always got way more questions than I have answers. And I begin to think, well, what I choose genetically in my cattle business really depends on my niche in the cattle business. And I love that Siri's not like my wife and get frustrated when I call her over and over again. Because I punched her again. Because niche is what I, I thought I can't choose till I know. I, I've really got to nail down what my niche in the cattle business is before I decide which bull, what genetics, which direction, right? So I ask, I ask Siri, what does niche mean? 
She wasn't frustrated. The very same voice. She says, first definition, a comfortable or, not and, or suitable position in life or employment. You know what she asked? I knew she wasn't frustrated at this point because we've done talked about several things. She said, would you like to hear the second one? (laughs) I said, I would. Then she said, a special segment of the market for a particular kind of product or service. Now, I'd like to tell you at that point, I was all spiritual and wasn't thinking nothing but about you folks I'd preached to this Sunday. But that second definition is what I was looking for. My niche in the cattle business is what my special segment in the cattle market is. Before you can choose your genetics, you've got to know your niche. What are you doing? And just for an example, and it will help somebody here today in life, if I am a cattle trader, if that's my niche, genetics don't even matter. I'm simply buying what is undervalued, open cows, whatever it is, certain weight of steers, and I will keep it till it becomes overvalued. I'm a trader. That's my niche. Genetics means nothing. And see, some people never know their niche. They just go by tradition. I'm buying, it's this time of year. We gotta buy steers from 450 to 550. That's what we do right now. That's the size we buy this time of year. And if you look on the market, they need to find their niche. Buy what's undervalued. Do you realize you can buy a 620 pound steer for $75 more than you can buy a 450 or 500 pound steer? Somebody needs to find their niche. Because when they just go with tradition and you can buy a 200 pound heavier steer for $70, $75 more, I don't know if you folks know anything about the price of feed, but you cannot put 200 pounds on a steer for $70. Some people need to find their niche instead of do what tradition says, right? But I'm pondering, if I'm a trader, genetics don't mean nothing, so I just marked that one off. Terry, I'm not no trader. And then I thought, if my niche is simply to have my calves born, pull them off the cows, put them on a truck, and take them to a local market, my niche is to have the right kind of cows, but a different kind of bull a terminal bull that puts some size on. But I don't take my steers and heifers to the sale barn, so I I don't need to look for that. And then I begin to consider, is my niche direct selling meat? If it is, I don't need to be concerned about what I've done in that alley. I need to walk in there and talk to Clay, who's ultrasounding the back fat, the ribeye, the tenderness. And when sale time comes, I really don't need to look at the bull outwardly. I need to turn to the back of the catalog and see what it says about his meat. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? But if I'm going to sell seed stock, bulls, And heifers, I've got to have something that's sustainable and has some longevity to it. I've got to look at udder scores. I've got to look at feet scores. Is everybody with me? Before I ever choose my genetics, guess what i got to do? I've got to see what my niche is. See, some people just go to choosing stuff and they don't have no idea what their niche is. I'm trying to get you to consider and ponder. But then... Let me just tell you, it went from thinking about the cows and my niche in the cattle business to the church that God's called me to pastor. And so you know what i done? And she didn't even get aggravated. I hollered at Siri again. I said, Siri, can you run that niche by me one more time? She said, I don't understand. So I had to say, definition of niche. She didn't know the run it by me one more time deal. And that first definition was this, a comfortable, not and, or, a comfortable or suitable position in life or employment. I'm convinced and ain't there. It's or. Comfortable or suitable. Because you want me to tell you, when you find your niche in serving the Lord, it may not be comfortable. 
It didn't say comfortable and suitable. It said comfortable or suitable. See, we got a problem. Too many in the church, they think their niche is staying comfortable. When your niche might be out of your comfort, but something suitable for the body of believers you belong to. Now stick with me. And we're talking about finding our niche. And listen, my first point was I pondered and considered what? Now. That was salvation on the spiritual. But it's always when. That's not loaded. It's always when. Now. It's always now. Now that you're saved, now you serve. It's always now. It's always now, people. Now you're saved. Now you serve. Now you find your niche in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, I was reading it last night, considering and pondering what I'd preach, and it said there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Can I break that down? Different positions, one team, if we're talking football. And then he says there are difference in ministries, but the same Lord. Can I break that down? Difference in ministries. There's offense and defense. So there's an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. But even on offense, there's an offensive line. Huh? So there's an offensive line coach. There's a running backs coach. There's a receivers coach. There, there's a quarterback coach. All are ministers. Defensive side, there's a defensive coordinator. But then there's a defensive line. There's a linebackers. There's secondary, huh? Then there's a special teams coach. Is everybody with me? They're all ministers. They're all over something. But can I tell you, on a football team, there's only one head coach? That's what Paul's telling us. And listen, don't be deceived in thinking I'm the head coach. I'm just a coordinator. He's the head coach. See, some people get that all out of line. I received a message on the way over here from a man that said, Hey, this is so-and-so, and you saved me. <laughs> I ain't never saved nobody from an eternal hell. But see, sometimes we get so misunderstood. And so... Paul is trying to say there's diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. One, different positions, but one team. There are differences in ministries. One head coach, but lots of people under the head coach. And, and there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. In other words, the activity of some is to block. Some is to defend. Some is to throw. Some is to catch. Some is to run. Different activities. Makes all the sense in the world on a football or basketball team, doesn't it? And Paul's trying to say, it's the same in the church. Now that you're saved, you're on the team, it's time to serve. Find your niche. And even though it's not comfortable, it's suitable. That's what I need. So for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the one body being many are one body, so also in Christ. And then he gives an example. For the fact that the body is not... Uh, one member, but many. And then, and then he goes on to say, what if the foot was to say to the hand, I'm not a hand, so am I not of the body? Come on, aren't you glad we're not just a bunch of hands in here? Better than that, aren't you glad we ain't just a bunch of noses? Boy, noses are ugly, ain't they? I'm just glad we ain't a bunch of noses and feet. That'd be the awfulest thing to have to look at in here. Good night. Then ears would run a third, good close third, wouldn't it? But he says, it, it takes every part. So I want you to look up here and I want you to listen. If you don't think we have a sovereign God, I'm considering and pondering last night what I'm going to preach. And I am on this right here. And I had to think back earlier that day. I got a text. And I got a text from... Now let me just say this. Because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. I consider her the lowest maintenance member of the church now some of you say now I'm pretty low maintenance well don't think highly of yourself more highly of yourself than you ought to that's the Bible but the reason I would say she's the one is because she's been here before me 
So if you're even if you're a low maintenance Christian, I got I, I got to say she's the one because she's been here longer, so she wins it. Not apologizing. I have a feeling if you looked up low maintenance Christian in the dictionary, Georgia Rao's name may be beside it. There'd be others, but she's been with me the longest. Been through the death of her husband with her. Been through some tough stuff with the family with her. She'll still be in that kitchen. She'll still... So let me tell you, when you're a pastor and you see that phone ringing and it's got that person's name, you're real quick to answer it. Because she's either got something worth saying or she's got something that she needs some help with. So you with me? So yesterday, that text, Georgia Rowe, and all I could see was what she typed. This is my devotion today. This is truth. But she had snapshotted a picture of her devotion. So I'm pulled over. I mean, that's how serious I was to see what she had to say. And I try to take my fingers. And if you want people to see something, don't put it on my story. You can't do that to my stories. And all you do is make me mad. If you put it on my story, see, you social media people know what I'm talking about. I want to see what you put on my story. But the problem is, I do that and it don't do that. So I don't know what your story is. Because it ain't big enough for me to see. So I do this because you can do it on a text. But I still can't read it. But I understood she was wanting to share with something out of her devotion. So watch this. Last night, I'm on this point, And I'm struggling with, with really how to, to, to point things out. Are you with me? And I happen to think, I wonder who made me think. A sovereign God. I begin to think about, wonder what Georgia said. And I hit it, and I wish I was smart enough to print a text off, but I had to hand it to my wife. And she printed that devotion off. That's why I get so touched as a preacher to know that I've got a sovereign God that is always going to provide what's needed. My wife brought me the paper. Can I read it to you? Where did I just read to you from? 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read what Miss Georgia sent to me. Under the caption of, This was my days, this was my today's devotion. So very true. As believers, we are called to worship and serve God. That kind of got my attention. Where and how we serve is based upon our talents, skills, and calling. In Rob's words, our niche. But we are A-double-L, all expected to give ourselves in the local church. When you were saved, God baptized you by the Holy Spirit into His church, or if you will, the church. Now I'm on the edge of my seat thinking, wow! You then chose in accordance with the Lord's will to become a part of a group of believers. You found your church. He placed you there, or if you will, here. How's that? Make it personal. Because He knows you are, listen to this word, needed. I've never told you this before, but I'm looking across here and I'm telling you now, you're needed here. I would like you to look at your neighbor and tell them you're needed. About 3% of you done it. And I'm going to tell you, the 3% of it done it, you whispered it because I'm going to tell you why. You don't believe it. You want me to repeat that? 
about 3% of you done it. And you whispered it. Because whether we want to admit it or not, we don't believe it. That's what God's Word says, folks. Now, why don't you look at your neighbor? And why don't you not whisper it? Why don't you go ahead and tell him, you're needed. Okay, hang on to that. We struggle with that. But you need to realize you are needed here. You say, well, I'm not doing nothing. Well, today's message is, try to get you to find your niche and start doing something. Now watch this. This is her devotion. You are significant to your home church. You're needed. You're significant. And so many times we don't think we are. We don't believe it. The church is more than a community. It is an interdependent body with individual members who were created by God to function in communion with one another. Christians, like the world at large, listen to this, are a diverse group. That means different. And when somebody's different, we think they are Come on, starts with a W. Isn't it something when somebody don't drive what we drive, dress how we dress, believe how we believe, they're weird. Who's weird? I'm going to tell you what God just said. You're all weird. You're all unique. So look at your neighbor now and say, you're weird. Whoa, looky there. I have proved my point. 70% done it, not three. And you didn't whisper it. You looked at them and said, you're weird. And the reason you did is you believe they are. You know they're different. You know they're weird. You believe that, don't you? Come on. Oh, don't tell me you don't go home. And you say, that old preacher man, boy, I tell you what, he different, ain't he? He's weird. I know I am the conversation piece, and I know whether you tell me or not, that word different, that word weird, that word crazy has come up in the same sentence of your pastor's name. Has it not? Come on, just admit it. Robert said, I will. Well, let me just confess too, Robert. My family gets around and starts eating too. And I'll say, you know, as I was preaching today, I got to looking out there at old James McEacher, and I'm going to tell you something. That cat's weird. But not nearly as weird as Susie Harsha. <laughs> See, you thought you were going to get off, didn't you? <laughs> so look up here and listen to me. Do we really believe we're needed? We should. Because we are. And let me tell you, we are different. And I'm going to tell you, exciting Southeast, Southeast Baptist is made up of the weirdest people I know this side of heaven. But I want you to listen what this devotion went on to say. Listen to it. To me, the weirder the better. So we won't always agree with each other. You think I'm weird. I think you're weird. You think I'm different. I think you're different. So guess what that's going to cause us to do? Probably disagree about some things. That means we have to purposely pursue unity. Let me tell you, I've watched football teams, basketball teams. It's got all the talent, got the best coach in the world, and they can't win. And what's the old saying when you turn on ESPN? There's problems in the locker room. You know why? Because there's a bunch of different gifts, a bunch of different activities, and they can't get along. But if they purposely pursue unity to perform on the football field, even though they're different, that's what makes them a winning team. Our differences are actually something to be celebrated. We ought to thank God we're all different. Because each person uniquely contributes to God's purpose. 
a church that is truly operating as a unit with all its varied gifts, talents, personalities, and intellects, with all the different niches. Toward the kingdom goals, it must be a beautiful sight for the Lord. What do you think about a church that can't get along as God sits high and looks at it? Boy, I bet that's ugly. Come on, parents, you don't like when your kids ain't getting along. He looks down from heaven and he sees discord and no unity in the church, just discord and envy and jealousy. I'll tell you what, God thinks of that church. That's ugly. But when he looks down here and he sees a bunch of different personalities, people that have found their niche and they purposely pursue unity and it's function as it should, you know what God looks down? He says, that's it. That is beautiful. That's what I meant for it to be. That's why I placed them there. They're needed. That's why I placed them there. They're different. Christianity is not a... I'm still reading. Christianity is not a spectator religion. We, A-double-L, we all have jobs to do in God's kingdom. The body of Christ function the best when the, and most beautifully when A-double-L, all members serve God and each other to the best of their ability. And like every devotion, it ended up with how are you serving your church? So, I'm walking out this morning. And I passed by this boot. I bought that six and a half months ago, brand new. And I mean, it's a Rios. I think that's a pretty high dollar boot, ain't it, Bo? Well, if it ain't, I paid lots for it. Six months. Can you see that boot? That's my right boot. Can you see that? When I set it down level to where it hits the ground, right there is where she hits the ground level. Can you see that? Old Brother Harold taught me something building our churches and building my home. If it's off a little bit in the corner, it'll be off a little bit. No, he didn't say a little bit. By the time you get down there to the other end, it'll be off a lot. So in case you don't know nothing about a boot, when you set that level, your foot goes in this area. Your leg comes down in here. And if it's off right there in the foot, where that leg fits down, when it slants like that, looks to me like that leg's headed straight north. Six months old. I've done got my sermon down, but I walked by this boot walking out of my house. And a week ago, I went to the doctor. And when I got dressed to go to the doctor, look at the manure all over them, Mary. You want to smell them? I mean, my wife says them's the ugliest boots. You've, you, they're work boots. So when I get up to go to the doctor with my hip, I get all dressed and I grab these boots and she looks at me and says, what are you doing? You can't wear them boots to the doctor. I said, I got to wear them to the doctor. Because that doctor owes me a new pair of boots. I didn't walk my boots over like that before I got my left hip. She said, you're going to, I said, I'm going to wear them. And I'm going to tell him he owes me $400. She said, well, you think you can pay? I said, no. But I want him to see that my left leg, part of the, come on, body, Ain't doing its job. And it's putting a whole lot more weight on another part of my body. My right leg is suffering. My pocketbook, when it comes to purchasing boots, are going to suffer if I can't get more than six months out of a pair of boots. I get tired. But 
people quit the ministry because they're tired. Right there they are. The reason they're tired is you're a Rob's left hip. You're not functioning. You're broken. And let me tell you today, get it fixed. Because I don't want our church to walk around like this. Are you with me today? As a pastor, we beg people to get involved. And all I get told is, oh, that church is so clicky. Could I tell you something? We have a nursery click. Join it. We're going to have a click today. We're going to meet today. And you know the people that say we're click, they won't be here. We're going to have fellowship today. The click is meeting to have fellowship. See, that's all I hear. All that church is clicky. Well, the click puts up the tent. The click cooks. The click teaches. Come on. The click serves at outreaches. And when you're not part of the clique and you're not doing your job as part of the body, guess what? Another part of the body suffers and has to carry more of the load. And man, we get going the wrong direction. Would you consider and ponder? I think the Lord's drawing you to serve. Maybe you just need to ponder. Find your niche where that would be here. Amen. So I leave there and I begin to consider and ponder. And Glad we work the bulls now until a few days later. I promise you, you'll be glad you get saved today lest you wait too late. I begin to consider and ponder my niche in the cattle business and that will be detrimental. I hope not. I hope it will be a blessing because I know my niche. I choose my genetics. But when you find your niche in the church, it won't be detrimental. It will be a blessing because we will function beautifully as we pursue unity. And our goals are kingdom-minded. Amen? One more point and I'll be done. As I began to consider and ponder, I thought about the now. Glad we got that done. Now that that's done, I've got to find my niche. I've got to choose my bull. Because it's always now. Now that we've done that, now I've got to find my niche. So now that you're saved, now that you're serving, you found your niche. Now, because it's always now, you've got to find your non-negotiables. Now I knew this would get deep. Now that you're saved, now that you're serving, you've got to find your non-negotiables. So guess what I did? Guess who I called? Siri. Man, I appreciate you bearing with me, sweetie. You've, you've given me the definition of consider, of ponder. You've given me the definition of niche. Could you tell me the definition of non-negotiable? You ready for it? I was pondering. I was thinking. I was considering. And here's what she gave me. Not open to discussion or reconsideration. You know why I was pondering on that non-negotiable, Charlie? Because here's what happens. Every once in a while, you'll see a bull coming down that alley. And you can see before he ever gets in the pen, he's a hoss. And you're trying to evaluate this one, but boy, there's just one caught your eye back there. You can't wait till he gets there. Man, I can tell from right here, he's the one I want. But by the time he gets there... When he comes in the pen, you're not sure you're in an evaluation alley. You think you're in a bullfighting contest. I mean, that sucker goes berserk. I watched Robert Pullion get turned plumb upside down, land on his head last year. Now, let me tell you something PCC does. They don't let a bad disposition go through their program. So the minute one comes in there and fights, guess what? Cut his head off. Wait a minute, let's reconsider. No, it's non-negotiable. He's gone. 
And then you see one that comes in. I mean, masculinity, five plus plus. Thickness, five plus plus. I mean, muscle. He looks like Hulk Hogan. Come on. And you're looking him over. And then they say, his feet. And you look down. And he's got a seven angle. And he's got seven toes. If that don't mean something to you, I'm telling you, that means his toes are crossed. Anybody's toes crossed? Now you're looking down there at your feet. As good as he looks up here, guess what? When we see those feet, let him out. Somebody, let's reconsider it. It's non-negotiable. We don't sell sevens. Whether it's angle or toe, we don't sell sevens. Cut his head off. So when I'm leaving there, I, I, there was one particular sire that every bull that come in, he's the most consistent I've ever seen in my three years. I'm talking about masculinity, thickness, and muscle. And I'm thinking, there's a sire that is consistent. But he's also consistent at something else. Sixes. Just on the verge of it. So, I mean, that's why I was pondering. Do I want to go with a six that might produce a seven? I want a five. So you see why I was considering and pondering when I left there? But then I, I would love to tell you it started out spiritual. It didn't. But it ended up there. When you get saved, do you realize there's some non-negotiables? I mean, when you get saved, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things are gone, the new has come. Do you realize there's some things that you used to be negotiable, but once you become a child of God, listen, things change. And things that you used to could do, now they're non-negotiable. You can't do them. That's the sin of commission. When you do something the Bible says not to do, you've sinned the sin of commission. But then there's the sin of omission. When you get saved, not only is there some things that's non-negotiable that you shouldn't do, do you realize there's some things that's non-negotiable that you should be doing? Should you be praying? Non-negotiable. Yes. Should you be studying the Word of God? Non-negotiable. Yes. Should you be, should you be attending worship? Non-negotiable. Yes. Should you be serving? It's non-negotiable. Yes. For him to know to do good and do not do it to him, it's sin. Do you realize what, are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? When you get saved, now that you're saved, now that you're serving, now, because it's always, now, there's some non-negotiables. There's just some things that ought not be in the Christian life. I read last week about a lady pulled up behind a man. She was second line at the stoplight. She noticed he was on his phone and shuffling in his seat for something. The light turns green. He's still looking at his phone. He's still shuffling in the seat for something. And I read about how this lady began to slam her steering wheel, stomp her floorboard, throw her phone down, begin to cuss blue blazes. And then all of a sudden she realized it's about to turn and she began to honk her horn right as it turned yellow. And that old boy in front of her, because the horn that was honked, he looked up, saw it was yellow. It's all right to go through a yellow light. He leaves out, but she gets trapped. But she's still just just cussing blue blazes, stomping the floor, I mean beating on the... And all of a sudden she feels a tap on the window and when she turns there's a gun barrel pointed right at her and it's a police officer. He yanks her door open, says, get out of here, hands on the car. man. She is so startled. She don't know what's happening. He pats her down and before she knows it, she's cuffed, she's stuffed, and she's on the way. She can't even ask a question. She is fingerprinted. She has... Her picture's been taken and she's in the cell and she's wondering the whole time what in the world has happened about two hours here come the arresting officer said ma'am come on you can go to the front desk and you can get your personal items back and he began to hand her those personal items and he said ma'am I'm sorry for the misunderstanding she said what happened he said well I was behind you at that stoplight and he said why I was behind you at that stoplight I seen your license plate cover said choose life I saw your bumper sticker said, follow me to Sunday school. I seen your bumper sticker, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I seen that chrome emblem of the fish on your truck. But then as I looked at all those things, I listened to you and I watched you and I knew I needed to take action. Surely your car is stolen. Come on. 
surely the car is stolen. Because if you're a Christian, acting like that is non-negotiable. So as I was considering, I was pondering, I was on Highway 40 again. Remember that message? If you don't, look it up. But I YouTubed. I began to think about sanctification. Now you're saved. Now you're serving. Now you need to be sanctified, set apart for God's use only. You know who popped up on YouTube? Tim Tebow. When I asked about sanctification, Tim Tebow tells this story. I was playing for New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. Pretty good football program, huh? But when you play for Bill Belichick, now listen, if you're going to sponsor, if you're in commercials, if you're doing these things, they are to happen off-season. Because when season starts, you're mine. You belong to the New England Patriots. So your sponsorships and all of that, they happen off-season. Tim Tebow is contacted. He said, we want to offer you a sponsorship and we'll have it all ready. We understand what it's like to play for the Patriots. We'll have everything ready and we promise you no more than 15 minutes for us to shoot the shoot and you say what we need you to say. And by the way, Tim, it pays $1 million. Tim said didn't have to think about it. I done knew the rules. Sir, can't do it. Come on. Now, you think he had a desire to do it? Now, it ain't nothing like preacher pay, but a million dollars for 15 minutes, just short of it. You guys didn't realize that's the value. Now, I don't get paid that. That's just what I'm worth. Look here. You think he didn't desire that? But he didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to think about it. Why? Non-negotiable. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. During season, I belong to Bill Belichick. I belong to the New England Patriots. Look up here. When you get saved, you belong to God. And there are certain things, they're just non-negotiable. You got that? And so as you consider and ponder these things, there's things in your life that are non-negotiable. You don't even have to think about them. You don't have to pray about them. I'll close with this and we'll enjoy a day of fellowship. When I thought about that, and I thought about that last point, I thought about that woman that walked into a pretty classy place one night where pretty classy people hung out and not only was she pretty classy, she seemed and looked professional enough, but, man, she caught one old boy's attention. And he went over there and he posed her this question. I want you to listen. He said, ma'am, would you consider sleeping with me for a million dollars? She said, I'm considering. And all of a sudden that conversation and that thing went on for a few hours and after a few hours he looked at her he pulled out $200 and he slapped it down and he said is that enough to get you to sleep with me you know what her reaction was she jumped up and she lifted her voice and she said who and what do you think I am Listen to his reply. I figured that out on the first question. Would you consider sleeping with me? I would consider it. Now I'm sliding $200 on. 
I done figured out who and what you was on the first question. Ma'am, now I'm just negotiating the price. Come on, Christian. There's a lot of things we consider. And sometimes that determines who and what we are. I don't want to have to be asked the second question. Because I realize when I become a child of God, there's certain things don't need to be considered. They're non-negotiable. Let's all stand.